0: Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's sermon podcast. Today is the seventh Sunday of Easter, and we hear from me, Emily Hanson Kern, as I preach from the lectionary, which this week was John chapter 17, verses 1 to 11. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. I was on a call this week uh, with other new Episcopal community leaders across the country, and uh, we were shown this video by the Anglican priest Sam Wells. He was talking about the future of the church and how nobody wants to go to a church that isn't interesting. And I laughed because, yeah, I mean, he's right. That would be boring. But it got me thinking about this idea of interesting and, like, what is interesting? And I realized I I wasn't thinking about what was interesting as in entertaining. I was thinking about interesting as in what is compelling? What kind of a life is compelling? And what I can say for myself is that my life has been compelling when I have made decisions out of the deepest parts of who I am. And then it got got me to thinking that I think there's a connection then between a compelling life and eternal life or a life knowing God. Eternal life is somewhere here and somewhere there, but the thread that connects is this act of knowing God. So the scene we enter in this reading from John is one where Jesus is praying for his disciples just before he's about to be handed off to Pontius Pilate. The air is heavy and confusing because Jesus has just been telling his disciples for approximately three chapters worth of text in John that he will be leaving soon, and where he's going they cannot go, but that they are his and he is his father's, but he'll send an advocate because what is his is his father's, and again that he's leaving they cannot go, they don't know where he's going. I think you get it. It feels a bit meandering and maybe even theologically heavy-handed. But then Jesus starts in on this prayer. And where in the gospel, other gospel accounts, Jesus leaves the disciples to go pray alone in the garden, here in John, Jesus remains with the disciples in the upper room, and he prays out loud the disciples end up sort of eavesdropping on this prayer. It's really vulnerable and perhaps even a little bit awkward. And I have to say that it feels strange to go back in time, especially on this final Sunday in this season of Easter. But also the story doesn't quite have the weight it had a month ago when we were in Holy Week. And so with the looming weight of the crucifixion ahead, behind us, we can read this story as the people we are, people who live with the resurrection and ascension. And read in this way, perhaps we can turn with a little more focus and maybe even levity into this idea of eternal life for which Jesus prays. And from this prayer, it's it's very clear, eternal life is to know God and Jesus Christ, to be one with God and each other and Jesus Christ. A figure who in this scene is present, praying a real prayer, but who has in this same prayer already left this world. Remember, in the middle he says, and now I am no longer in this world. Jesus, so close to his own death, walks into this liminal space of presence and what it means to be present And in doing this, I think he's modeling for his disciples what eternal life is like. In the words of the poet Osip Mandelstam, very simply, it is now, it is not. Eternal life is not only here, but it is not only there. What it is, is knowing God. And I'd have to pause here, to say, thank God for that, because that feels like something we can work with. This is, this is messy. This is something you might have to wrestle with for the entirety of your life. It's not formulaic. And I certainly don't think that the answer can be deduced. And if it was, and when it is, what we get is boring. So then the question is, What does it mean to know God? A small question, but one that's been digging at me, especially because it's all mixed up with life and desires and the good and sin and perfection. I mean, I I think at our core, we're just so desperate to know God, actually. But what do we even mean by God? (laughs) And how do we know the voice of God as compared to our own voice? Are they the same? Can they be the same? We're not going to dive into all of those questions exactly, but they're all mixed up in here. But in the Greek, this word to know is the word ginosko. It's the same word that Mary uses when she talks back to the, the angel, the, whole, uh, a questioning, uh, that the Holy Spirit, questioning the Holy Spirit about being pregnant saying, how could this be? I have not known a man. This is intimate and experiential knowing. It's a knowing that we do, and it's one that we do with our bodies. It's active. We have to move. But into what? And this, feel, for, for me, feels a little scary to say, but I think we move into our desires, because by what other means other than these bodies and these lives do we have to know God? And when I say desire, what I what I mean is something closer to what Audre Lord calls the erotic. She says it is a measure between the beginnings of our sense of self and the chaos of our strongest feelings. It is an internal sense of satisfaction. And having experienced the fullness of this depth of feeling and recognizing its power in honor and self respect, we can require no less of ourselves. For the erotic is not a question of what we do, it is a question of how acutely and fully we can feel in the doing. Our desires are that inward pull, a yes. That lies below the surface of our lives. And so, for what do you desire? For what do you hope? What is the yes that lies below the surface of your life? What is it that you need to give yourself permission to be or to do? The pull. Of this erotic within us, our desires are our guides. They are the tracks upon which we ride and move into the presence of God. But of course, it's not that simple. Because we do have desires that lead us away from God. We do have desires that can hurt another and can fracture the unity for which Jesus prays. So how do we know How do we know if what pulls inside is leading us toward God or away? Kierkegaard famously said that life must be understood backwards but lived forwards. But that's the condensed condensed version. The, The whole sentence is translated this way. The more this proposition is subjected to careful thought, the more it ends up concluding precisely that life at any given moment cannot really ever be fully understood. Exactly because there is no single moment where time stops completely in order for me to take position to do this going backwards. What that means for me, then, is twofold. That we live each present moment in trust, in liminality. Eternal life is available in every moment. But also it means that we can look back at moments in our lives with some confidence. And that confidence can inform the ways we move forward into God. When have you known something that was good and of God? How did you know that in your body? In hindsight, looking back, what did you know? Or conversely, have you known something that you thought was true or you thought was of God and it turned out not to be? What were the signs for you that this was not true? Again, how did you know that in your body looking back? What did the trusted people around you say? But also we have this corporate body as a signpost for what we know to be true. Jesus prays for unity among his disciples, in addition to this oneness with God and Jesus. And so we have each other, and we have these prayers and this liturgy. We live and move into our desires within the space of this community and these prayers and this liturgy, and not outside of it. This is the way I believe we hold ourselves under the light of Christ— With the oneness that Jesus prays for ourselves with Jesus and with God. So, what's the good news here then? The good news is that we can honor what we know of ourselves, we can trust the steps we have taken and that we take, we can trust even our desires. And, in in fact, it's when we do this that we are most compelling. This is what makes us interesting. And in these actions towards knowing God, we experience eternal life now. It's the pull of our lives now. And it's what we can trust one day will be more fully known.